0: Seems that throughout history, different cultures all over the world, they reference a great tournament. That dragon marking, it's an invitation to fight for something known as Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat is a fatally good video game adaptation. Mortal Kombat is a heart-rippingly fun martial arts movie. Mm, Well, Mortal Kombat is a spine-shreddingly wild wrestling movie. Kano wins.
1: It's really wholesome fun for the whole family, isn't it? The Manson family, that is. Setting the bar hive with the jokes this week, Dave. Today on Galaxy Brains, we are talking all things Mortal Kombat, a conversation that's going to take all our preconceived notions about martial arts movies and
0: FINISH finish THEM!
1: Welcome to Galaxy Brains, the podcast where movies, TV, and overthinking collide. I'm Dave Schilling. And I'm Dave's toasty friend, Jonah Ray. And each week on the show, we start with the logical brain, advance to the critical brain, question everything with the interrogation brain, and of course, arrive to the blessed state of the galaxy brain. Today, we're tagging in the voice of all elite wrestling dynamite, Excalibur, to talk about Hollywood's latest adaptation to Mortal Kombat. But first... Let's keep our feet firmly planted in Earthrealm in a little segment we like to call Logic Brain. If you haven't seen Mortal Kombat yet, first off, what is going on in your life? What's your problem? Second, turn this podcast off right now. Or at least fast forward to the end so our retention rate is higher. But just please don't let us ruin this movie for you. We're going to spoil this thing from ass to elbows, so be warned. This is the third film in the Mortal Kombat franchise and the second to be called Mortal Kombat. Don't get confused by that because this is a total break with the previous continuity. Sorry to all of you fans of Christopher Lambert as White Raiden. Times have changed. You might think that a movie based on a nearly 30-year-old video game wouldn't have much backstory, but oh boy, you'd be very, very incorrect, my friend. The Mortal Kombat games have a dense mythology that would make George R.R. R. Martin say, hey, lighten up, nerd. We've got warring ninja clans, the afterlife, destiny, magic portals, glowing tattoos, a monster with four arms, and Ariana Grande's ponytail. Plus a tournament that will decide the fate of humankind. Who knew? <laughs> I, I, mean, <laughs> I I had no idea. And that fate rests in the hands of Plucky Cole Young, a character invented specifically so this movie has someone to say, huh, can you explain that for the benefit of this particular stupid person every 20 minutes?
0: How do I find my arcana?
1: Cole is the descendant of Hanzo Hasashi, also known as Scorpion, who was murdered by Bi-Han, who also goes by Sub-Zero. You see, Sub-Zero is a member of the Lin Kuei Ninja Clan, who uh, works for Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung lives in Outworld. Outworld is ruled by Shao Kahn. Okay, Dave, Dave,
0: Dave, 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 please, please stop. They saw the movie. I think they want to know if we liked it or not. Okay, okay, fine. Never mind. Let's, um... Move on to Critical Brain? Yes. Okay. <laughs> This is a violent film. The the
1: first one was PG-13. This one is a hard R. They make no excuses about this being a movie based on one of the most violent games of the 90s.
0: I mean, that's what set it apart from Street Fighter in the beginning was that it was super violent, as violent as you wanted video games to be. This is what that senator in the 90s was rallying against.
2: I'd like to be able to pass a law saying you can't produce this stuff anymore. We don't feel that this particular industry has carried out those responsibilities in, in the way that they should. And
1: now- That's a really interesting point you bring up, Jonah, that people were upset about this. Joe Lieberman, Tipper Gore, all of these supposedly liberal people going out and saying, oh, you can't play this game. It's going to make you crazy. And I, I turned out okay. You seem fine, Jonah. Time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> the jury is still out on Joe DeRay and Dave yeah. Schilling. Did you have a favorite fight in this movie? I mean, it's it's not wall-to-wall fights. Uh, this is a kind of a spoiler for what we're going to talk about later but there's no Mortal Kombat tournament in this movie Uh, but there are some really good fights and you have a particular one that you enjoyed I would have to say that when Scorpion
0: showed up
2: get over here
0: I was very excited to hear get over here the little uh, you know, chain thing. It's like I, that was probably my favorite, but at the same time, thinking about it now, I love the origin story fight of that weapon. So I'm gonna have to say maybe the first fight was one of my favorites. It was definitely the one with the
1: most emotion. You know, it was there wasn't a lot of dialogue, at least you know, not in English. Uh, this is a movie with quite a few subtitles in both Japanese and Chinese. That scene was maybe the one that felt the realest uh, to me. My favorite was that last one because of just the sheer nerd nostalgia rush of getting Scorpion and Sub-Zero to fight and all of the catchphrases and stuff. Uh, and it was also pretty clever with you know all the ice and things uh, that were used as weapons and, and whatnot. This is a movie that trades off of your love of Mortal Kombat and uses that as its best weapon. One of the things this movie did really, really well is work the fatalities from the game Into the film very naturally. Did you have a favorite fatality? And if so, what was it?
0: My favorite fatality was the blade hat spinning and then cutting somebody long ways down the middle.
1: Flawless victory.
0: Which uh, reminded me of one of my favorite death scenes from Bone Tomahawk. Oh, that's a good movie. That's a great one. I think I probably
1: liked, oh, Goro getting killed. I was sad about Goro, but it was a very gruesome end for that monster man with the Ariana Grande uh,
0: ponytail.
2: Now I tear out your spine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I missed that no one got their head pulled out and their spine dangling under you know, below. Why, why didn't that happen? That's a very popular fatality in the world of Mortal Kombat. Am I wrong?
1: Yeah, uh, holding a head with the dangling spine. There is a heart ripped out in this movie, though. Let's remember that someone's heart does get ripped out in this movie. So thank you to the filmmakers, the studio, everyone in the marketing department at Warner Brothers for making sure That someone's heart does get ripped out in the new Mortal Kombat movie.
0: A lot of people are upset that there was no actual tournament. And who cares? It's just what you want. You want more structured fighting? Is that what you want in your game? Yeah, I do. Mortal Kombat is a game
1: about a tournament, Jonah. This is like doing a video game based on the NFL and they not play any games. It's just people throwing a football around in a park. What is that?
0: I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm down with that. This is more the Moneyball version of uh, Mortal
1: Kombat. <laughs> so this is money combat. Yeah, this is this is the play-in tournament for Mortal Kombat. And this is spring training for all the Mortal Kombat characters out there, which we should talk about right now. Let's talk, let's break it down character by character. How long is this podcast going to be? <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. There's too many characters in this movie. Let's talk about, first of all, the most controversial character, Jonah, Cole Young, Cole Young is not a character from the video games. He was added to this movie, like I said, to give somebody the lines of, what is Mortal Kombat? And what is this tattoo that's glowing on my chest?
2: It's not a birthmark, Cole. It means you've been
1: chosen. Chosen? For what? To fight. So was he useful to this movie beyond just exposition to you.
0: He is a brand new character to bring you into the world that is already established. And so he is essentially the Walter from the Muppets movie with uh, Jason Siegel. He is the new character that they add that to kind of just like live in the world and then also explain everything.
1: As much as it perplexes me and I think a lot of other fans of the franchise, it is necessary. You're a perfect example of someone who comes into this just knowing that it's a game about monsters who fight each other in a tournament. But you didn't know all of this kind of like very uh, esoteric information about Mortal Kombat. So, yeah, you kind of need a Cole Young in in this movie. You need the regular human agent from Hellboy
0: to come in and be like, what
1: is this? Why is that guy red? Am I in hell? Oh, he's a boy.
0: Yeah, you need that character to go, hold on. Wait, what up? What's in Outworld? Out where? Out here? Oh, no.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's what you you just Mm. need it. If you know anything about like how to... Tell stories like you need somebody sometimes to be questioning of stuff. It's it, in Lord of the Rings and in, in Game of Thrones, in Star Wars. You know, there's always a character who has to stop the story to have it explained to them.
0: Mortal Kombat. Did you make that last part up? It just kind of sounds like you made it up. I mean, and look, they spelled it wrong. Hey, you listen to me. I think there's another tournament coming. That's why you're here. <laughs> Sonia Blade, Jonah. What do you think about Sonia Blade? To me, it felt like she should have been the lead in this movie because she's the one person that's a badass fighter that isn't chosen, doesn't have the birthmark tattoo of the Mortal Kombat symbol. And her arc is the most interesting because she, with persistence and badass fights, her fights were great and really great, like close combat fight, uh, especially with Kano in uh, her trailer home, which was really, really reminiscent, I think, of uh, Kill Bill. I feel that maybe she should have been the uh, Cole Young of this movie.
1: Yeah, I I thought she was great. And I love that fight, too. Kano, an interesting character in that he was somewhat the comic relief.
2: It's Kano. Kano? Kano what? Kano, none of your fucking business.
1: Was that Russian? First, you think he's going to be kind of like the curmudgeon, charming grump, sort of a Walter Matthau, but uh, with a laser for an eye. Uh, But that doesn't turn out because if you know anything about the video game mythology, uh, Kano's kind of an asshole. So he turns and joins uh, Outworld in their attempt to kill all of Earth's champions before the tournament even begins. I don't think we're gonna be able to get through all of these characters, Jonah. So why don't we do a little Mortal Kombat lightning round and try to come up uh, with some, some thoughts very quickly about all of these characters.
0: Sounds great, let's do it. It is time for the
1: Mortal Kombat
2: lightning cast round.
1: Yeah, it's a lightning round. Like Raiden can shoot from his fingertips. Lightning!
2: Round one, fight.
1: All right, Liu Kang and Kung Lao, cousins. They know Kung Fu. Goro. Look at them arms. Shang Tsung. Why is he so evil? Cole Young's plucky wife and child. Funnier than they need to be. Scorpion and Sub-Zero. A Song of Fire and Ice by George R. 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 Martin. We're really dragging George today. Uh, Okay, Melina. Big scary mouth. Yeah, that's what she has. You're right. All right, so uh, we went through the characters real fast there. But, Chota, guess what? Most of these
0: characters are dead. Dave, with all these characters getting killed in this game, in this movie in this movie based on a game. Who are they going to fight in the next one? They they got rid of some of their biggest characters already. There's a ton of characters
1: left in Mortal Kombat, Jonah. I don't know if you know this, but there are more characters in the Mortal Kombat franchise than uh, there are characters in the Bible. I'll start listing them off here. Kintaro, Noob Saibot, uh, Shao Kahn, Quan Chi, Serena, Shinnok... Jarek Kai Meat
0: Oh wait what There's a character named Meat? Oh yeah yeah He's just a hamburger with legs You're starting to make Some of these up Aren't you? Draymond, Frost Kinshi
1: Lee Mai Mocap His name is Mocap Moloch Ashra
0: Rue, these are all real. Don't forget uh Bob Whittaker, the bang Da bang and of course Diggy Diggy. There's Smooth featuring Rob Thomas and Santana.
1: <laughs> I know there's a million characters in Mortal Kombat, but Jesus, they are just there's nobody left.
0: That's a good thing to do though. Everybody's expendable. But then at the end of the movie they do say no one's ever dead.
1: <laughs> which which begs a question in a movie that is about killing your opponent in order to win a tournament. Does death even matter in Mortal Kombat? Turns out the
0: shame of losing is death enough.
1: Huh, that is interesting. You know, this gets me thinking. It's always embarrassing to lose a fight, even if the outcome of that fight is predetermined like it is in pro wrestling. You know, pro wrestling and Mortal Kombat actually have a lot in common. When you think about it, uh, people in wild costumes, big emotions, uh, wild characters with their own special unique moves. Jonah, I think Mortal Kombat is pro wrestling and wrestling is Mortal Kombat. Hmm?
0: Okay, Dave, in a movie, you can do anything. You can cut someone's head off with a piece of ice. Dave, I'm not sure how wrestling could be compared to that. Okay, but before the fatalities and the babalities and the animalities and the
1: friendships, Mortal Kombat is still with grounded fight choreography. This is one of the most fun martial arts films of the last few years. When it comes down to it, you remember the punches and the kicks as much, if not more, than the fireballs. I remember the fireballs quite a bit, actually. Jonah, did you know that there was actually a pro wrestler whose character was inspired by Mortal Kombat? Oh, was it Smooth featuring Rob Thomas? (laughs) No, 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 his name was Glacier. Wrestling and Mortal Kombat are forever linked, but Mortal Kombat will never live up to the thrill of seeing men and women do spectacular things without the benefit of movie magic. Mortal Kombat wishes it could be pro wrestling, but it never will be.
0: Dave, Dave, your dragon tattoo! Oh, it's glowing! Oh, 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 shit, I, I think I'm getting my arcana! No
1: way! Whoa, what does it feel like? Kind of like puberty, but now I can shoot lightning out of my fingers.
0: Excellent. Whoa, it is like puberty, that thing that happens all of a sudden. When we come back, we'll be speaking to our elite
1: wrestling
2: announcer, Excalibur, about Mortal Kombat and Pro Wrestling.
1: Welcome back to Galaxy Brains. Mortal Kombat and pro wrestling go together like peanut butter and whatever else I have left in my pantry at 3 a.m. That's why we've asked All Elite Wrestling announcer Excalibur to get over here and give us some insight into the building blocks of creating a great fight, telling a story through punches, and why Mortal Kombat is actually a classic wrestling movie. Excalibur, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: It is my absolute pleasure to be here, and any time that I get to talk about my two loves of video games, and pro wrestling, and I guess in this sense, like kind of trashy cinema, that's like a real real Venn diagram sweet spot for me.
0: I
1: think we are all in agreement that those are three amazing things.
0: Is that, what is the best wrestling movie? Before we get diving into Mortal Kombat, what do you, in your head, is it? Is it No Holds Barred? Body Slam? Suburban Commando?
2: I think uh, Body Slam is one of the greats. The wrestler, you know, Mickey Rourke did an amazing job. But then, I mean, going going back to I think the '70s, I like to hurt people was not really a great movie, but it was like a really kind of weird insight into into pro wrestling that I don't think people were very familiar with. So. You know, I think there's there's a lot of ways to go, but if I had to pick one, probably probably the wrestler.
0: Yeah, it's very true. My favorite is Man on the Moon, the Andy Kaufman story. Definitely one of the the first <laughs> one of the first moments where
1: wrestling and Hollywood kind of mixed. Now we see pro wrestling and entertainment being so intertwined that when we watch Mortal Kombat, you see the influence of pro wrestling from the jump. So I have a take for you, Excalibur. Liu Kang. A little bit of Stone Cold Steve Austin or John Moxley in there. You know, he's kind of a rebel. He's a bit anti-establishment. Not not much of a beer drinker. But uh, am I off base with this?
2: We're talking Mortal Kombat 2021, Liu Kang.
1: Yes, or 95 Liu. A 95 Liu Kang maybe more of a of, of a, an anti-establishment kind of hero. He's kind of sidelined in this movie, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I think I think uh, 95 Liu Kang definitely a little more. Of that 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 loner badass mold, this this guy was. What he was an orphan. He had his, uh, his friend with him. You know, like this this was not the Bruce Banner walking down the the road at the in the end credit scene. That we don't, we don't, we never see Luke Kang like go it alone. He's always got the teamwork. And so I I, I think maybe ninety five Luke Kang would definitely be of that mold.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm seeing a little Cyclops from X-Men in 2021 Liu Kang, which I'm not a, I'm not a big Cyclops guy.
0: Oh, he's, he's the biggest dork in the X-Men. I know
1: the entire AEW locker room got to see Mortal Kombat in a theater early. Like, how did you guys pull that off? Because I had to beg and borrow and steal to get a copy of this movie.
2: Well, we were lucky on two accounts. One, because uh, AEW Dynamite is on TNT. We've got a close association with Warner Media. And two, there's something of an arms race going on in our locker room as to who can be the nicest guy. And, you know, this is just by virtue of having been in Jacksonville for 12 months in the, the same locker room. And so now the arms race has reached the point where Miro, like Miro, who's the most fearsome individual you will ever see on television, said, hey, we should do a screening of Mortal Kombat. And so the folks over at Warner Media set up the screening for us. They had a Giant buckets of popcorn, dumpsters full of soda. And that really made the movie go down a lot easier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe not the popcorn going down well, but the movie certainly did. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm sure you remember this as a scholar of both Mortal Kombat and Professional Wrestling. There is actually a professional wrestling gimmick from the nineties based on Mortal Kombat.
2: It was Glacier. Glacier was uh, is the name, and it was the most blatant sub-zero ripoff that you could imagine. Glacier's arrival was preceded by months and months of video packages. You would say blood runs cold, and then the the font would freeze over, and everybody was was really really stoked about like who who is Glacier was reveal going to be? Is it going to be like this sub zero badass character? And it turned out to be this guy named Ray from Georgia who had a really bad tan, but funny story going full circle is that Glacier opened a wrestling school in Atlanta and that school became the uh, the Nightmare Factory, which is co-owned by Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall of, of AEW. And Anna Jay, one of the, the great uh, stars in our women's division is a student of Glacier, uh, AKA Ray Lloyd. So bringing it full circle, even though the gimmick was a failure, Glacier, as a pro wrestling trainer, it far outkicked his coverage.
0: I'd really like to break down how terrible of a name Glacier is for a wrestler. <laughs> Glaciers move, but very slowly, <laughs> and they are melting. It's, it sounds like he was less of a Mortal Kombat ripoff and more of an Evian water bottle reference.
2: <laughs> it was not well thought out. I mean, I, you know, I guess the, the promo package and everything like that was amazing. All of that, I think that's where all the thought went. Once he actually got into the ring and had to do this on a weekly basis, they didn't think that far ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I was like
1: 12 when the Glacier promo started running. I thought actual Sub-Zero was going to come to Monday Nitro. Very disappointing. But I got to ask you, Excalibur, uh, why is it? That pro wrestling and Mortal Kombat seem so connected that there's that there it was it was such a powerful connection that there was a Mortal Kombat inspired character in WCW.
2: Well, I mean, I think just fighting games in general are kind of connected to pro wrestling. Like if you think of what pro wrestling is, it's it's real life taken to an extreme. If somebody gets powerbombed in real life, chances are that they're not getting back up from that. Where in a pro wrestling ring, it can happen five nights a week. And so then fighting games became taking pro-wrestling and pro-wrestling moves out of the ring and putting it back into a real-world setting. And so they're just kind of intrinsically tied to to one another. Pro-wrestling, fighting games, Mortal Kombat, movies of like that ilk are, just, I think, cousins on the same branch of the, or same side of the family tree.
1: Before you came on, we were talking about the amazing brawl between Sonya Blade and Kano toward the end of the movie that includes toilet seats and a Garden Gnome as the fatality what was the most creative prop you've ever seen in a professional wrestling match?
2: Kenny Omega and John Moxley in AEW in 2019 had a had a match and John Moxley had the barbed wire wrapped baseball bat. And you know, I mean that's par for the course in pro wrestling, but Kenny Omega brought out a broom wrapped in barbed wire because he is the cleaner and then he swept the broom back and forth over John Moxley's back which was one of the most viscerally horrifying images i've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah, i think i watched that match with my hands over my face through my fingers. i was watching this screen because it was so brutal. Storytelling in that match superb. But storytelling is incredibly important. It's paramount in pro wrestling, just like in martial arts films like Mortal Kombat. You know, there's physicality and gestures and looks and you know knowing where the camera is and all those important things that go into making a great memorable wrestling match are things that are also important in movies. And to me, despite, you know, all having all this money and special effects in movies, movies can never really compete with the visceral feeling of watching pro wrestling. I mean, do you think Mortal Kombat, this particular Mortal Kombat, gets close to that? Or is there a different martial arts or fighting movie that captures that feeling?
2: It's really tough because live pro wrestling is, I think, one of the great fan experiences that, that you can have. It's like live theater where even if you're up in the cheap seats, you can still, can hear the smack of flesh and you can see the redness develop. And, And so when you're watching that on TV or if you're watching it in a theater, you know in your head what's being conveyed, but unless you're there physically in the same room or same arena where it's happening, it's kind of hard to impart that same vibe. And so that's why I think, while The Wrestler may be the best pro wrestling movie, It's a story about a man, not necessarily a story about pro wrestling. And so I think pro wrestling will always exist in its own place. Just, you know, just like if you think of sports movies, like hockey movies, where the, you know, the team comes back and wins the championship, that can never replace the actual game itself. And so, you know, it's a tough balancing act. And I think, again, like they're cousins on the same side of the family tree. They can exist side by side. If you were in charge
1: of writing these films, or if you were booking a Mortal Kombat tournament, who would you have be the ultimate winner at
2: the end of this thing? Oh, that's it's it's a tough question. I was I was thinking about this and they you know they they did go the pro wrestling route with making Sub-Zero the the top heel like this is the guy that that everybody's chasing and then the the babyface has to finally defeat Sub-Zero to to become the champion. I mean, that's effectively what happened in this movie, but you know as far as who who the ultimate overall winner will be. I mean, from from a pro wrestling logic, it has to either be Cole, Liu Kang, or sonia It has to be one of those three because those are the, the characters we first met. Those are the people we're most invested in. We'll see their story all go all, all the way through to the very end. But, you know, I mean, the, the thing about this movie, though, it was just it was a series of people making the worst possible decisions for themselves in in any given time. Like when Cole left the training thing to go back to his family, even though he knew assassins were hunting them. Sub-Zero takes off his invulnerable armor to allow those guys to kill him. I'm not even sure why he did it. And so, you know, I mean, pro wrestling, those are the types of leaps in logic that you wouldn't necessarily see in pro wrestling. And I think Maybe that's why uh, pro wrestling is a little bit better than movies at the end of the day.
1: Ooh, I could not agree more. I love when the guest comes on and reinforces everything that I've been saying for the last 40 minutes. So thank you. This is true. Pro wrestling writing is superb. And, you know, sometimes, you know, movies, you guys guys might want to learn something from elite wrestling, okay?
2: Yeah, take that, Minari.
1: (laughs) The Oscar goes to... (laughs) Not AEW, wrong. All right, so let's say AEW does decide, you know, we're going to have a Mortal Kombat style character. We're going to do Glacier, but we're going to do it right this time. We're going to show WCW how to do Glacier.
0: Iceberg, I'm just even, this Iceberg would have been a better name. The Iceberg went over the Titanic. Because <laughs> the
1: Iceberg took down the Titanic. So you want to just redo Sub-Zero, but call him a different name. Is that what you're saying,
0: Jonah? I just, I hate the name Glacier. I just like, I even <laughs> it's been
2: bugging me this whole time. Maybe instead of uh, shooting ice balls out of his hands, he throws lettuce.
0: Oh.
1: Hey! He's a health nut. It's a double meaning. It's one of those double entendres I've heard so much about.
2: So what actual Mortal Kombat character would fit the best in AEW? Well, it's it's interesting because Glacier, and I I had to look this up to be sure, was actually on AEW's debut show. So there is already that history of Mortal Kombat-esque characters in AEW. And I think just purely from a, you know, visual standpoint, I think you have to go with Goro. I was going to say Goro too. Because who can, who looks more impressive than that? Who knows if he can put on a a compelling pro wrestling match. But just from a visual standpoint, if you're flipping through the channels and you see a 10-foot tall, four-armed, Whatever he is standing in the middle of a wrestling ring, you're going to stop and you're going to watch to see what happens.
1: Give me Goro versus Wardlow, put him in a steel cage, and we got a pay-per-view main event.
2: And I'll take Wardlow eight times out of ten. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that ninth time, those extra arms are going to come in handy, let me tell you. Uh, well, this was great, Excalibur. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'm really glad that AEW is is making uh, wrestling so much more exciting uh, in this period of time when, you know, we're all kind of like stuck in our homes and not always uh, happy, but wrestling puts a smile on people's face. And and, I'm really glad that you guys are are doing what you're doing.
2: Oh, well, thank you very much. It was my my pleasure to be here. I love pro wrestling, love video games, love Mortal Kombat. And so to have a chance to talk about all three was great and love to be able to entertain people for a couple hours every Wednesday night on TNT. Always a, a nice byproduct of what we do. So thank you.
0: Each week, we wrap up the show with a Galaxy Brain take from one of our listeners. Here's one now.
2: Hello, I'm Sarah. Uh, I have never seen a Mortal Kombat movie or played the game ever in my life, but I got baked last night and watched the movie. Delightful.
1: My galaxy brain take is that Cole Young should have been even more of a wife guy. Wife guys are very of the moment. They are all over Twitter. They are very in our public conscious. And they touched on it a little bit. Like he has a wife. He
2: is motivated by
1: his wife. But really lean into it. Tell tell us that he won't do Mortal Kombat
2: unless it's for his wife specifically. We love wife guys. Cole Young is a wife guy. Lean into it. Thank
1: you. Oh, my. I mean, that's a pretty great take. Well (laughs) done, Sarah. Thank you. I mean, I think that Cole being
0: a great husband was one of his best qualities. Jonah, what do you think? You know, maybe I'm just getting out of touch with what the Internet's all about. But what's a wife guy? Is that like a fan of Borat? Uh, My
1: wife guy? No, a wife guy is sort of like uh, someone who uh, protests too much about how they have a great marriage and how they're wonderful to spend uh, the rest of your life with. Uh, Someone who's just like, yeah, my wife is everything to me, Jonah. I I bring her flowers just randomly just because I feel like it. Wow. That's a wife guy. Oh, so a dork. Yeah, essentially, yes. Cole Young is a bit of a dork. Now, did he uh, go do the Mortal Kombat tournament without the approval of his wife? Yes. So there is a little rebellion there in Cole Young. He's not 100% a wife guy. He might be more of a bean dad. (laughs) If you want to call in, we'd love to hear your galaxy brain take on next week's episode topic Star Wars. Our number is 213 570 8069, and it's also listed in our show notes. Give us a call and leave a voicemail with your take. But please, please, please make it weird.
0: That's a wrap on this week's Galaxy Brains. Join us next week when we ask our most controversial question yet. Should Disney let George Lucas direct the Jar Jar Binks TV show? The what? Misa so liked like this idea. You so green light it now, Bob Iger.
1: Oh, okay, Joda. Uh, I think maybe George Lucas has better things to do like Misa no longer Jonah Misa Jar Jar okay Jar Jar get that pineapple out of your mouth you sick freaks st- Galaxy Brains is a production of Polygon and the Vox Media Podcast Network the show is produced by Kylie Holloway and me Dave Schilling Dan Turek is our engineer with sound and theme music from Gautam Shrikashen Our executive producer is Matt Patches, and our developing producer is Zach Mack. Polygon's editor-in-chief is Chris Plant, and Russ Freshtick is the director of special projects. Special thanks to Andrew Melnizek, who helped create the show. Until next week, take us away, Santana, featuring Rob Thomas.